You're listening to the P-Town Church Podcast. To learn more about our in-person services or additional sermon content like this, visit palcc.org. That's P-A-L-C-C dot O-R-G. Well, we did finish October, and we did talk about the security of Jesus, and last week we finished up with the idea of the secure struggle of Jesus, and how he helps us with our struggles, and now we transition into this whole idea of why, what, and what we're struggling with when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And here's a question you might not have ever been asked, and it relates to this idea, and that is, have you stopped fighting against sin? Have you just given up? I mean, we live in a world that's so full of sin. It's all around us in so many various forms and in so many different ways. Have you just said, okay, I just give up? Have you just given up the fight against the world's efforts to conform you to its pattern? Because the pattern seems to be, eh, it's no big deal if I conform to it. And we're conforming to it instead of being transformed by the renewing of our mind as God encourages us to do. God's goal for you is to live in the glory of His wisdom. It's always been that way. And sin is when we fall short of that glory, when we miss the mark, when we just fall short of what He is calling us to be and do. And when we sin, we fall short of that mark. We fall short of that goal. And all of us sin But what's happening in our world today is we're being convinced that our sin no longer is harmful to us. And that's why a lot of people just given up fighting against sin because it brings on too much drama, too many enemies in our life. Why not just go along to what? Get along. Well, the reason we don't go along just get along is because we're getting along with people who are lost who are not living by God's wisdom, who are missing the mark. And it's not always obvious to us. It's not obvious when we are conformed to the pattern of the world because we are beginning to look like everybody around us. And so we might have acceptance and we might feel, well, we're just as good as everybody else. But we're missing out on the intentionality of the fight. You see, Jesus, he fought against sin so that we could fight against sin. And he wants us to struggle in our life with him against sin. Why? Because sin ruins the world. And it ruins our lives. Hebrews 12 can help us better understand the struggle that we face and how we can win the fight with Jesus. And so our overall focus for November is going to be this idea of the fight of Christ, struggling with Him. And in your struggle, we are not to sin, it says. In your struggle against sin, do not grow weary and lose heart. Now, let me break those down because those are the key components of what we'll talk about this this month. In our struggle, that word struggle we find here in Hebrews 12. That word struggle means antagonize antagonize and it comes from that root of agony are you agonizing against sin in your life or are you just kind of apathetic about the sin that's in your life and around you 
You see, in our struggle, in our antagonism against sin, we are not to grow weary. That means to get tired of it. Or lose heart. That means to just give up. Because Jesus has fought for us so that we can be free and we can overcome sin. He took sin head on for you because He wanted to prepare you for the fight you have against sin. The least you could do is fight. Jesus fought sin so we could not tire in our fight. Jesus fought so we would not give up in our fight against sin. And Paul described that fight to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 through 16, where he says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And then he just says it outright. Fight the good fight of faith. There's that word again, fight from antagonizing the root word, agonize. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. And I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be, the, to him be honor and might forever. Fight! Fight the good fight. And the reason we have to fight the good fight is because we have to trust that Jesus didn't fight for some bad reason. I mean, he fought for us because sin brings about the ruination of our life. We already know what happens if we don't give up our fight against sin. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, we will reap the harvest that God has planned for us. He is prepared to bless us, to overwhelm us with His blessing. So Paul tells us to fight the good fight of faith. And that if we don't quit in God's timing, we will reap the harvest of our labor. And this is the common thread between Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12. We have been reading about all the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There's the connection. We have all those heroes of faith. Uh, we talked about Abel and Enoch and Abraham and, and Noah and, and Sarah. And, um, and then last week we talked about the judges and the kings and the prophets I mean, we talked about all those heroes of faith, and we look at their life, and what were they commended for? They were commended for their faith, and they didn't even receive what we receive. Only together with what they did because of their faithfulness, they held the, the structure together, they provided the faithfulness that God could bless through the people of Israel so that Christ could be born and that nation, and then he could save the world on the cross. All of that was part of God's plan, predicted and promised and prophesied. 
All of those things work together for our own good. And because we have that cloud of witnesses that surround us, we are to run our race. We throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangling us. Do you want to be responsible for being part of the last generation in America that believed in Christ Jesus and fought for the good? Now, you need to understand that even though we might appease, and we'll get into this more in depth, even though we, we might try to appease sin in our life right now because it doesn't seem so harmful to us, even though it's bringing about the ruination of our society and our lives, When sin finally takes over, when the tipping point comes and sin becomes the predominant way people think and we're getting close to that in culture, as I said last week, things will just turn on a dime and what we once enjoyed in terms of peace will turn into persecution. And it may not be threatening to me at my age, but for my children and my grandchildren, I'm concerned. Am I living by faith? Am I setting aside the things that are hindering and entangling? You see, our fight against sin is as ancient as the fight as Adam and Eve had. The ancients were committed for their faith and are cheering us on to throw off everything that burdens us and the sin that is weighing us down and entangling us so we can successfully run the race God has put out before us. There's a big contest. We have the the ancients setting in the stands, so to speak. They're cheering us on. They're encompassing us. They're saying, come on, you've got to do your part. We did ours. We didn't have it as good as you, so come on. The prize is even better for you. Run your race. But it seems, I'm not sure why, many Christians have been so entangled and burdened that if they are in the race at all, they're just crawling They've lost the will to fight. We don't fight against sin anymore. We're just kind of like, well, how can I kind of adapt it? We aren't fighting against sins because we no longer perceive it as a problem. It doesn't seem to be a, be a problem in the lives of those that we know unless it's a serious kind of problem that it's taken over with them in terms of addiction or um, uh, criminality or something like that. So we just process sin the kind of casual sins that are around us, well, it's not a big threat to us. We accept it as a necessary evil to get along in this world. And if we have started to think like that, we've already lost. How we perceive and process the sin in our lives determines whether we are allowing God to redeem us or aiding Satan in ruining us. Do you get that? Do you want God to be redeeming you? I mean, sin is a part of our life. We know that. We're fighting against it. When we fight against it, God can redeem us in spite of it. But if we do not fight against it, we're just giving Satan the, the advantage in our life to ruin us. Now, Satan's always intended to ruin the promise, purpose, and plan of God since the days of Adam and Eve. He's the one that tempted them and tested them and got them kicked out of the garden and to taste death. 
But God has taught us that through confidence, perseverance, and faith like the ancients, our sin can be redeemed for positive purposes. Sin is here. We just need to overcome it. We need to fight against it. And our deep dive into Hebrews 12 will allow us to discover the treasure of the positive perspective of sin in our lives. Not that we ever think sin is good, but we know that we can have a positive approach to it in our lives. We do that by, first of all, accepting that we must struggle with sin and that we can persevere through it. What most people are doing is they've stopped struggling so they don't have to persevere. They just try to get along through it. They're passive about it. Number two, our positive perspective can create this. We know that sin creates hardship in our life, but we can be trained through discipline because of it. God is treating us as sons. He wants to discipline us through it, and it will make us stronger, better if we fight against it. The third thing is that sin is always trying to trap us in some form of sensuality. But we, when we're aware of it, we can overcome that, and then we can strengthen others with the idea of holiness. And that's a big part of what we need to do with those who are in our culture. Number four, we know that sin brings about the judgment of God for all, but if you believe in Him and you're ready to worship Him in reverence and awe, your world will not be shaken, even though the rest of the world will be. So sin is the necessary evil in a sense in our lives, only when we understand that God can redeem it by means of our faith, like those commended or that we've learned about in the book of Hebrews, But we cannot surrender to it. We cannot grow weary or lose heart. Otherwise, we'll become like those who were condemned. And when we read stories about those in the Old Testament who were commended for their faith, there were many, many more who were condemned and, no, and not even part of the story. They lost out. They were not on the right team, as we talked about before. So that brings us to our specific lesson for today, and that is that we need to accept that we're struggling against sin. Struggle. Antagonize. Are you antagonizing sin in your life? Why is it that we normally don't antagonize? Now, if you're a little brother or a little sister, or you're an older brother or you're an older sister, antagonism just becomes natural for you. I'm a middle child, so I understand that. But the reason we don't antagonize is because those who are better at it can make our lives miserable if we do so. But really what we're seeking to do here is to agonize against sin. We want to fight against it and whatever we need to do, it's training towards our battle against it. And that's what brings redemption in our lives. We want to talk about that this today. Have you ever used a weight vest in your exercise program? I know Andrew has one at home for his military stuff, so Sarah puts it on. I don't know if Andrew's ever worn it. I've seen him maybe once or twice. But Sarah will put it on, and she'll walk around the backyard, and, and um, they become very popular because Mark Zuckerberg was seen wearing one in um, a picture. You know, he's the guy that rules the world through Facebook. 
Um, oh, we're, we're streaming live through Facebook. Sorry, Seth. Hopefully, they'll, hopefully they won't cut us off because of that. <laughs> so, got these wet, these weight vests they wear, and they wear them uh, for the purpose of getting stronger in their training. But let me ask you a question: If they were going to run a, a race with someone and there was something on the line, do you think they'd wear the weight vest? No. You see, in our struggle against sin, we're in our contests because sin is seeking to ruin us. It is our enemy. It is our combatant. It's our opponent. We should never see sin as part of our team. It is seeking to ruin us when God wants to redeem us. He wants to redeem our battle, the race that we're in, so that we can win the victory but the thing about sin is that what it likes to do is cheat. So it will do everything it can to weigh you down. So sin will make this rule. Well, you have to wear this weight vest if you're going to run against me. And I'm going to tie your shoelaces together if you're going to run against me. You see, sin is the cumbersome weight and the cheating competition which is trying to tire us into giving up. And if you're running a race and you have to do all these things and it seems like everybody else is just running free and weightless and, and, and have no problem whatsoever, you know, they can just do whatever they want, you know, that kind of thing. We feel weighed down, but it's our sin. So we need to fight our fight and our fight is always against sin because we know it seeks to ruin us. You know sin's goal is not to win the race, right? You know that, right? Because it can't. The only thing it can do is keep you from winning the race. So why would you burden yourself with it? Why would you put a big weight vest on you whenever God says, you need to run and let me teach you how to run? And we're going to in, get into some specifics about that. And our deep dive verses for today remind us that when it is time to run the race, we must rid ourselves of everything that is cumbersome. We must run God's race, enduring it cheerfully, and relate our race to that of Jesus as we eye Him, keep our eyes on Him considerately. So let's look at our verse for today. Hebrews 12, 1-4 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Do not grow weary, lose heart in your struggle against sin. Because your battle isn't as bad as what Jesus has already gone through, and He won the victory. Jesus is the author and completer of our faith. That's the thing we have to focus on. So we cannot run our race without Him. He is with us. Not only, he's just not in the stands with the, the cloud of witnesses. He's right there with us as is in the power of the Holy Spirit, encouraging us, helping us, empowering us. And we're to contemplate what he endured so that we will not tire and give up as we struggle in our sin. How did he get through his challenge? How did he get through his race? 
Jesus teaches us to fight against sin in our lives by setting joy before us as we endure our cross. The funny thing is, is that for many Christians these days, instead of looking down the track at the goal that God has for us of eternal life, we've stopped, we've set up our, our uh, not our easy chairs, our folding chairs, our backyard chairs, our patio chairs, whatever you want to call them. We're sitting and having a little glass of tea and we're having it with our enemy, sin. We need to set that joy before us as we endure the cross. Jesus scorned the shame, which meant he knew that if he gave in and if he allowed sin to win in his life, it would not only be embarrassing and shameful for him, but he would be ruining the whole plan of God for salvation for all mankind. Can you imagine that kind of pressure? I might just be encouraged to try to save your family and the world around you. Jesus had the whole pressure of saving everyone. Not just in his time, but everyone before him and everyone that will follow him. But he knew that if he was faithful, he would stand on the victor's podium and be seated at the right hand of God and receive that crown. Now, Jesus fought through the opposition of sin to teach us to persevere. He wants us to per persevere, and we've just learned in Hebrews 11 how the ancients persevered amongst dysfunction and all the kinds of things we've talked about. They persevered because they had faith. They were able to be used of God to maintain the, the plan that God had for him, them, the purpose, and uh, the promise that was all part of that. Because of their faith, God used them to bring about what uh, brought about the coming of Christ. And now, because of what Christ has done, what he has done through the church. So we must fight our fight. And in our fight, we must, we must struggle against the ruination of sin. We must believe with all our heart that sin has no quarter in our lives. It will ruin us. It will ruin our culture if we try to appease it. It will destroy everything in this world if we, do not, if we do not fight against it. So in our race, so that we can be, so that we do not grow tired and we're and 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 give up, we're advised to do three things. So you'll be able to remember these three things real easily this morning. The first one is to rid. Everybody say rid. Rid, rid, rid. rid. We got to rid ourselves of everything that is cumbersome. Cumbersome is an old-fashioned word. Cumbersome just means that you are putting lots of unnecessary weights on you. Let us throw off everything that is weighting us down. The word in Greek could mean it's a massive burden. We put things on us. Sin likes to put guilt and shame upon us so that we grow weary and tired in our race. So we're to throw that off, that sin, the thing that's burdening us and that's hindering us. And the sin that so easily entangles. And this word entangle has this idea of when you're in competition, not letting your enemy psych you out kind of thing. I used the illustration just a bit earlier about them tying your shoestrings together. They'll cheat. They want to get in your head. They'll do everything to kind of 
make you feel like you're going to lose. But again, remember, sin can't win the race. The only thing sin can do is keep you from winning. We're all proud because our very own Olympian is from around here. Everybody, you know who I'm talking about? Who am I talking about? Clayton Murphy, yeah. Long distance runner. He trains uh, for years and years to be able to be on that stage. and He won the bronze at the one Olympics. We're proud of him for what he did, but and we may think we may have part of it because he's from this area, but you know, Clayton has moved on and he's been training and he's been living his life. And one of the things that you notice is that he had to do everything he, he could in when he's running his race to get rid of the things that encumber him, that weigh him down and entangle him. So it's not just about you know, his uniform, but it's about his mindset. The uniforms are interesting, uh, especially for sprinters. The uniforms they wear actually have to be weightless. I mean, they have to almost weigh nothing whatsoever. That margin of victory, especially in sprinting, is so close that just a little more weight in your uniform could keep you from winning the prize. So their uniforms have to be weightless. So there's this high-tech company that creates special fabrics and designs so that when they test it, the wind or the, the, it weighs almost nothing. And the other part of it is that it, is, uh, it is cut, cuts through the air so that it's windless, so that there's no wind that can hold you back. It's kind of like some of them will train with a parachute. Have you ever seen those runners or football players? Remember, they'll train with a parachute and they'll run around. They get that parachute and it's supposed to hold them back. Well, they won't use that parachute in the game. I mean, it may seem like some of our teams, when they're playing football or whatever, they're slow and they've got parachutes on, but they're not supposed to in the competition. So Glayton Murphy, he won the victory. He was had the right kind of uniform, the right kind of mindset, and so he was able to win. We have to do the same thing. We need to rid ourselves of those things that weigh us down and have the mindset so that our competition is not psyching us out so that we can win that race. Colossians 3, verse 5 through 8 puts it pretty bluntly. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is, the, which is idolatry. This is, these are the things that encumber us. These are the things that weight us down. This is the massive burden that's in our lives. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. All of this is idolatry, self-idolatry. And it's because of these the wrath of God is coming, he says. He said, you used to walk in these ways in life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. This is how Satan psychs us out. Through anger, rage, malice, slander, filthiness of our language. Out of the store of the heart, the mouth speaks, So, as the saying goes. The thing that's weighing us down is our sin. The things that are going on in this world that we've accepted. And we've got to fight against that by putting that to death in our own life. And I said, well, that will make me look different than other people. Yeah. 
Because in their own race, they're entangled, they're burdened, they're weighed down. It could cost them because they won't finish. You see, we're called to never tire or give up as we antagonize against sin our lives. And that is made easier when we rid ourselves of everything that is cumbersome. And let me give you just a little quick thing you can think about. Get rid of your bad habits, your bad holdings, your bad hardships. You know what your bad habits are. Those are the things, those are the sins that you let hang around in your life. Because when you're feeling lonely or uh, have self-pity or any of these other things, you kind of indulge in those things. That's the bad habit. Bad holdings are those things we like to hold on to, those things in our life, the, the kind of familial things that this is the way our family's always been, so we hold on to those things. could be lifestyle types of things, like the things we watch, the things we do. If it's bad for us, we might hold on to it just in case. And then there's the bad hardships. We still have those things in our life where we people have done horrible things to us, and we're hanging on to that, and that creates rage and anger and slander. Get rid of those things. Rid yourself of those things. And run. Everybody say run. Run your race. You have to endure cheerfully in your race for Christ Jesus. Let us run with perseverance. That word perseverance means patient endurance. The race. And the word race means that gives the idea of the assembly for the contest. You know, it's not just a small little thing, but everybody's getting together to watch. It's significant. And it's been marked out for us. That means it's in our view. It's something that we're to, to look at and we're to appreciate. Run with endurance, patience. This race marked out for us. You see, we sometimes forget that God has marked out this race, we are in a contest, and that He wants us to win the, the prize. And sin and Satan is doing everything it can to make it more difficult for us. So we just need to run knowing that's the case. We, we need to run our race with a smile on our face. Okay? Everybody, run the race with a smile on your face. I get, should I hashtag that, Seth? Do you remember Usain Bolt? He was so good, so fast. He was the runner from, um, what's the green and yellow? Is, is, Jacob, is it Jamaica? He was so fast, so much better than his competition, that during the races, he would look around and smile at his enemy. He was so confident that he was going to win, even though they were pushing him. And you know he's running at the time. And they're making him run faster and faster every time. And this guy just kept getting faster and faster because the competition was coming after him. And he was still enduring, patient. He knew he'd win, so he'd just smile at his contestants. In our race, we know we're going to just smile at, at sin or whoever's trying to hold you back that's making it difficult in your life. 
1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the race. Compete, but not aimlessly. You know you're going to win if you are faithful and you run with cheerfulness. You're enduring, knowing it's just part of the race. That's the thing about it. It's a race. It's not a rest. We talked about the rest that we received earlier from the book of Hebrews and how blessed we are in that rest. But part of our life is the, is the, is the race. How many of you would turn in to the Olympics when they were going to have the, the, uh, the next rest? All the best wrestlers from all over the world are gathering at the Olympics. And the gun's ready, set, on your mark, get set, go. The gun goes off and everybody just kind of stands around, resting, pulling up a chair, getting a glass of tea. Give me a glass cup of coffee. No, we need to run our race because we know there's a prize that's before us and it is a race we need to accept the fact that we're running this race. But don't do it aimlessly or you'll be disqualified because everybody's running. Even the people who are sinning, even those who are, you know, they're out there in the world with us in, in, in their own way. They're having to run their race and Satan is doing everything he can to burden them, to be cumbersome to them, to, to entangle them. And in many ways he's winning in their lives because they're sinning. And as you win your race, wouldn't you rather win with all the brothers and sisters and all those who believe and all those who have faith? We all want to win together. We're called to never tire or give up as we always advance ambitiously and aimfully. And that is made easier when we run cheerfully with endurance. Advance ambitiously and aimfully. Remember... It's not a marathon, or remember, sorry, it is a marathon, marathon, and not a step. A lot of times we're looking at our life with, well, I'm, everything's falling apart because in this particular step, I stepped on a walnut. Or, and I, I use that illustration because I was out raking yesterday, and I kept ste stepping on those walnuts, and when you step on a walnut, it hurts. Especially when they're covered up by leaves and you can turn your ankle. And I can't tell me how many times I turned my ankle doing that. I hate those walnuts. Squirrels love them, but I hate them. It's a marathon, not a step. It is, the presence of, it is in the presence of angels and admirers. We're not alone. This is a long-term victory. We're all part of this same race. And it is a victory that is ours even before, the, even before we cross the finish line if we're running by faith. So we need to rid ourselves of the things that 
are cumbersome. We need to run cheerfully the race before us, and then we need to relate all of this. Everybody say relate. We need to relate all this to Jesus. It says fix your eyes on him. It means to eye him considerately. Consider him. Keep your eyes on him because this is what it's all about. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, which means he's the author, chief leader. He did it first. He set the example. And perfecter, he's the completer. He's the finisher of our faith. We need to fix our eyes on him. And when we do so, we're just considering him, his race. How he overcame, we already talked about. He scorned the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the sinfulness of other people. He didn't sin, but he endured it so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. And just think about all the people in your life that might be looking at you. And how how disappointed would you be if a big article came out in the paper this next week that pastor of the Palestine Church of Christ for the last 32 years is a fake or phony that I've been in the mafia or something like that hiding out near Palestine. Some of you would believe it, wouldn't you? When we run our race, there are others that are looking to be inspired by what we need to do. And we do that. We can run our race when we look at Christ Jesus and we complete and we finish. There's a greater calling that we have in life. It made me think of Jesse Owens. You guys are familiar with him. 1936 Olympics when he ran. He won four gold medals. He was asked by a a reporter later on about how he felt about Hitler snubbing him. Of course, you know what was going on back then with the whole superior race thing that the Nazis felt what they had going. And it was surprising because Jesse Osen said, well, he didn't believe that Hitler snubbed him. He said it was our own president who snubbed me. The president at the time, I think it was Roosevelt, didn't even invite him or send him a telegram or invite him to the White House like all the other white athletes were invited. Jesse has written a number of different articles, tells a lot of different stories, but one of my favorite is his story with the, the um, German athlete that was there at the same time that he was competing with. They became good friends, and that friendship lasted for a long time. And his friend from Germany once wrote him about The first time he saw Jesse Owens, he said, I saw that you were on your knees in prayer. And after many years had passed, he says, I think I need to believe as well. Now, there's a lot of context to that story. And if you're interested, you should just look it up and read it. But the thing about Jesse Owens is he didn't run for Hitler. He didn't run for the president of the United States. He might have been proud to run for the Ohio, the Ohio State University when he was there. Or he was proud to run as an American, but that's not why he ran. He ran for a different kind of prize. Philippians 3, 10 through 14 says, I want to know Christ. He has to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies, what is behind and straining toward is what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, Jesse Owens, he came to understand suffering. He came to understand what it was like to participate in the sufferings of Christ. He was rejected by his enemies, but also by those who were supposed to be his protectors, his administers. He was rejected all of them, by all of them, and he was one of the most talented, gifted athletes that ever walked the face of the earth. But he just didn't have the right color skin at, the right, at that time. So he was considered less than. That was my grandsons. They're thinking, oh, I should be over, okay. Do not forget. He's like I said, do not forget what's behind and strain for what's ahead. Press on to the goal to win the prize. We are called to never tire, give up, as we appreciate the fact that Jesus has run the race, he's fought the fight, and he has won. And that is made clear, easier, clearer and easier for us when we relate our own struggle to his eternal victory. You have the power, which is the resurrection, death, burial, resurrection. You can press on, strain forward, you can win that eternal prize. When we accept the fact that we must fight against sin and that we can persevere through it and be stronger for it, then we can see sin for what it is, and that's Satan's attempt, his attempt to ruin us. That is not something we should make peace with as if it is an inevitable part of our life. God redeems us through our race, which is made easier when we rid, run, and relate, as we've just learned. So don't make a peace treaty with evil. The question of our time, and it's become more real in the last three or four weeks, the question of our time is, can there be peace between those who are evil and those who seek to do good? History has taught us that the answer to that question is no, never. Evil cannot be accommodated. It must be destroyed. But we continue to think that we're so special that we can seek peace with evil in our world. We can seek peace with the evil ones around us instead of fighting the good fight of faith against evil. It is time to wake up and fight. Not to fight the people that are trapped in evil, but to fight the evil that's in this world so that they have a fighting chance to come out of that evil. And you need to fight for yourself and you need to fight for your children and your grandchildren because this is the fight, the good fight of faith. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to begin our deep dive into Hebrews 12. I pray, Lord, that we'll be convinced this month as we study through your word that we must fight against sin in our lives. That maybe we've spent too much time trying to accommodate and appease evil, thinking that somehow that would make it easier. But we're starting to learn that when you accommodate or try to appease evil, it will just forcefully try to take over everything and enslave us. You've given us the responsibility 
Our founding fathers have given us the responsibility to live and fight against sin and evil in all its forms in this world. So help us to do so by first accepting the fact that we must rid ourselves of the things that are weighing us down. We must run our own race with integrity and perseverance. And we must relate this whole race, this whole contest to what Christ Jesus has done for us. And I pray today, not out of pride or wanting to be noticed, but I will pray today for this great nation. I'll pray today for every believer, every Christian that might hear these words, or that it might get to somehow to fight, to fight the fight of faith, because we know sin ruins. It's ruining our friends. It's ruining the lives of those that we love, we care for, our family members. We've seen its toll taken. So we must fight. Fight. Fight the good fight. Help us to be equal to this fight, Father. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for being here today. God bless you.